Well, good morning, everybody. And, yeah, we have, as Ian's already said, we have a lot of people away. We have a lot of visitors. So if you're a visitor, um, welcome. I hope you have in, enjoyed yourself so far. And we, I hope that continues. So this morning, I'm going to be uh, speaking out of Isaiah chapter 43. There's one particular verse that I felt God highlight to me, but we're going to talk around the passage, but we're going to, we're going to home in on that one verse. So without further ado, I'm going to start to read, um, the passage. So if you want to turn to it, you can. It's Isaiah chapter 43, verses 16 to 21. Give you a moment to find that on your analog device or your digital device. Thus says the Lord, who makes a way in the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who brings forth the chariot and the horse, the army and the warrior. They lie down, they cannot rise, they're extinguished, quenched like a wick. Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing, Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I'll make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The wild beasts will honour me, the jackals and the ostriches. For I give water in the wilderness, rivers in the desert, to give drink to my chosen people, the people who I formed for myself, that they might declare my praise. And my key verse... It's a slightly strange one here, is, behold, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? And this question, which is probably a slightly rhetorical question, but my question was, actually, how do we perceive what God's doing? Is the answer, do you perceive it? Yes. Or, is, do, do you perceive it? Hmm. Maybe. Or, no idea. And just to illustrate that, in this well-known story in Luke chapter 24 of the disciples on the road to Emmaus, they had just seen, the, or been around for the greatest miracle of all time, namely the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, but they didn't perceive what was going on. They were still back in three days before the day of the crucifixion. And it took Jesus to... To, to meet with them, to walk along the road with them, and to explain all of the things that had been pointing towards that moment that had been written about him in the past. And that's a little bit of a picture of, of actually how we start to perceive what God's doing. We have to have an encounter with him. We, we have to listen to him. We have to have him explain to us what he's doing, and then that will change it. So one of the responses to this was, well, surely everything has been told by the prophets. Amos says, for the Lord God does nothing without revealing his secrets to his servants, the prophets. Does that actually help? Sometimes and sometimes not. 
at the beginning of this month, I started, I decided I was going to read through Matthew's Gospel. And as I was reading the first few chapters, um, as you know, this is the account of Jesus' birth. Well, the first of all, there's lots of genealogy. Then there's the account of Jesus' birth. And Matthew keeps referring back to the Old Testament prophets. And I've never seen it quite like this before, but I don't know whether you you like to to read or to watch films of the classic detective fiction, Hercule Poirot, Miss Marple, Peter Whimsey, whatever. Um, and there's always this point at the end of the story where all of the characters and all the cast are gathered, usually in the drawing room of the, the big house, when the the detective explains what all of the clues were that have been put all the way through the story so that you can start to make sense and to start to understand. And if you read that book again or you watch the film again, it's like every single one of those clues is highlighted in, you know, in flashing lights and in bold colour. And, but you never saw it the first time. And that was the sort of experience I felt as I was reading through Matthew's Gospel. And Matthew says, well, this was done to fulfill this, to, that he should be born in Bethlehem, that he should live in Nazareth, that he should go down to Egypt, that there would be the, the massacre of the innocents. All of these things. But actually, if you read the Old Testament, you would never have predicted it. You would never have actually figured out what's going on because actually it can be a little bit hidden. So yes, God does reveal everything to the prophets. But sometimes it can be a little bit cryptic, and we might need a little bit of help understanding. So what does our passage say? Because if there's a question in the passage, then usually the answer is going to be found there too. Well, let's just work through some of the, the, the verses around my key verse. So, verses 16 and 17, it's rather poetic language, but it talks about the crossing of the Red Sea and the destruction of the Egyptians, um, which was one of the, the key moments of God's power and of, of, of uh, deliverance uh, that the... That, the people of Israel experienced as they came out of Egypt as they started their wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. And it's a thing that comes back time and time again um, when, when God is wanting, particularly in the Old Testament, when God is wanting to talk about his power and his deliverance. So why do we listen to the old stories like that? Well, this, it builds testimony, it builds faith. Testimonies of what God has done build faith. And over the last few weeks, we've had a couple of occasions where we had people come with testimonies of God healing, either in them or in uh, a close friend. And on, on both occasions, we've then had ministry time and God's been, been uh, ministering to bring healing. Now, I haven't actually heard the stories of what he's done because actually we can be very bad about testimony. And for years, we as elders have been saying, we just need to hear more testimonies of what God's doing among us. But can we get people to come? No, because we all of us think, well, it's only my story. It's not very significant. It's very little. Nobody's going to be interested. 
For many of us, we can be very British about it. We know that we have people from the nations. If you're from the other nations, you don't need to be British about that. You can come with your testimonies. We want to learn from you. Right? But what I would really like to do is encourage people to come with testimonies of what God is doing in your life at the moment, the encounters you're having with him, and the... um, and the, and the changes that he is bringing. We already sung today, this is my story, this is my song. Well, what is your story? What is your song? Come and tell us, because that, it's not just that it's a nice thing, that, but actually that's, that builds faith in other people. There's um, a good uh, Bill Johnson book all about the power of testimony. And he has this amazing story where somebody had healing in their leg. They gave the, the testimony. That released power for somebody else. And there was a chain of about five different people. They all had the same problem. All received healing just because of that first person telling their story um, about what God has done. It might be, you say, well, actually, what is he talking about? I don't understand. What is it that, about having a testimony of God working in my life, testimony of encountering him now? Well, if that's your, if that's your situation, we can get you your first one today. There's opportunity, whether you would say you're a Christian, whether you would say you're not a Christian. God wants to encounter everybody here, and he wants to show how much he loves you. He wants to to bring change in your life. He wants to bring uh, deliverance, like the, the story we had of the, of the Egyptians uh, being cast into the sea as they were chasing God's people. God wants to bring you a story. He wants to bring you a song. He wants to bring you testimony. So, my question there, how has he brought victory to you? But then, it's quite strange, as you read it, you have all these stories of long ago, and then it says, don't think about the things of long ago. Well, why did you just tell me about them then? Well, it can be very easy to get locked into, well, God did all this stuff in the past. He's not working in me now. Or we hear about what he's doing in other countries or in other cities or in other times. Um, and we can focus on that. We can also focus on lots of other things. There can be the mundane things of our, of our daily life or even of our church life. We can be so hooked on where do the kids go this week or, or is there going to be space to park my car or we haven't got coffee. What's going to go on? All these things where we can miss the presence of God because we're so hooked on all of the, the things that go on around it. So it's easy, so easy to be distracted that we almost miss what God's doing. They don't, I don't like this song, or it's too loud, or it's too quiet, or or I don't know the tune, or the person singing next to me is out of tune. Well, if you're sitting next to me, well, that'll definitely be the case. <laughs> don't be distracted by those things. Those things are just peripheral. And the, the, don't think about the stories of the past. Now, I I grew up in the Church of England, and there was these this th- set of phrases that would often happen. It was, as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, world without end, amen. Now, that's actually supposed to be talking about the unchanging nature of God. Um, 
but actually it felt like it was the unchanging nature of everything that went on and everything was the same from week to week to week to year to year to year. God is doing a new thing. Let's not just get stuck. We can, we can laugh at that, but we can, we equally well have our own ways of doing things that can be turned into rituals, that can turn into, into obsessions, that we must always sit in the same place and, and oh, we, we've got to finish on time and, and we've got to do this and we've got to do that. Let's embrace the new thing that God is doing. So let's skip over our key verse and go on to the, the last bit that talks about what God is actually doing. And this, this ties in very much with lots of the things we've been hearing over the last few weeks. That God will bring water in the wilderness, rivers in the desert, um, and we hear the, the, the jackals and the ostriches. Now, if you look through the Bible, jackals and ostriches are, are always symbols of desolation uh, and of abandonment. They're, when when the cities that are that are stop being inhabited, they are the wild animals that come in and inhabit. But I, I just sort of also wondered if I can be slightly non-biblical there about. Well, jackals, they're, they're, they're known for laughing and scoffing. And ostriches are known for, for putting their heads in the sand and not actually seeing what, what's going on. And so if I can have a little bit of poetic license that, that the world around us can laugh and scoff at what we do. They can put their heads in the sand and not observe what is going on spiritually. But actually, as we have an encounter with God, we can, we can see the, the desert having water brought, brought into it. We can see rivers flowing. We can see, see that the purposes of God spring up. And I believe that that's what God is wanting to do in this season. That He's wanting to give us such an encounter with Him that it flows out beyond the four walls of the church and into our society around us. Our society is like a desert, but He wants to get water to spring up in that desert. I want to just go on to this a little bit further. There's this, uh, it might seem like a slight switch, but this is the, my, my key for a, for a story here that, um, in Joshua 15:19 and also in Judges 1:15, they're almost word for word the same. Caleb's daughter says, give me a blessing since you set me in the land of the Negev, which is the desert. Give me also springs of water. So Caleb gave her the upper springs and the lower springs. Now, back in uh, 1994, this is uh, the beginning of 1994, was before Chris and I had moved to Durham. The church we were in decided that our preaching for the year, we were going to take a book of the Bible every week. Now, the 66 books in the Bible and there's 52 weeks in the year, so you'll suddenly realize that doesn't quite work. But if you take some of the small ones together and so on, you can, you can just about shoehorn it in. And so by the time we got to, to February, and you can count, work out when it would, would have been in February, uh, we were reading Joshua. And as I read Joshua, I, and this passage just leapt out at me, 
And I felt it was a word for the church that, that God was going to, we were spiritually dry and God wanted to pour out water. I didn't actually do very much with it, so we had the sermon. The next week we were reading Judges and it's like, oh, we've got this passage again. So that time I then brought this word as a, as a, as a prophetic word the following Sunday. This was in February 1994. A couple of weeks later, two or three weeks later, um, we were called up to a, to a midweek meeting. So we were in a church plant uh, in the Midlands, and we were we were called to the the, the main church, the mother church, uh, um, and that meant we had to cancel our midweek meeting. And I was like, "This is we we you know we're supposed to be building something here. Why are we having to go back up there?" And then we, we had, um, somebody said, well, we've just had a team, somebody come back from, from Toronto. And they had, there was a meeting of the, of some of the church leaders and they just prayed and the Holy Spirit was poured out. And I think, oh, it's alright for them, it's not going to happen here. <laughs> grumble, grumble, moan, moan. And then, so they said, right, so what we're going to do is we're going to just pray for the Holy Spirit to be poured out. And he was. And that was the beginning of a couple of years of, of outpouring of God. I nearly missed it. I almost didn't perceive it because I was so caught up in the things that I thought God was wanting me to do, it, but namely be part of a church plant, that I, that I had a bad attitude and I could have missed it. We're all vulnerable to actually be focusing on the old things so that we might miss the new things. So what's God doing among us? Well, I've gathered together some of the prophetic words. So the the first three are ones that we've heard time and time again. The first one going back um, something nearly 30 years now. Um, Go to the nations and he will give us the city. We've gone to the nations. Alan and a team are currently out in India. We've already heard Keith's going to be in Mexico shortly. Uh, we have um, we have the Webb family out in Africa, and, and there are multiple um, teams that have been out and are going out. We're going to the nations. We haven't yet seen the full fruition of that that he will give us Durham. But in order for him to give us Durham, we actually need to get out of the the four walls of this building and encounter him and take what we what we find and and go go out. Second one was this is from Mark Dupont from a few years ago that he was it was a a mining picture that we were like mining, but as we were hacking away at the at the rock, there was going to be a river of gold. And that really spoke to me, and I think we are beginning to see a river of gold come among us. That's the, supposed to be, represent the presence of God. And there was another picture which uh, uh, Lindsay reminded us of a couple of weeks ago, of a throne half in and half out of the building, signifying that, that God was going to be resting among us, but not just in the church, but out in the world around us. 
Do you starting to get a theme and a picture of what's happening here? We're getting all of these pictures about the, 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 the city around us, the region around us. But I think there's something new happening. There's something fresh. And these two words, are particularly, these have stayed with me. And both of them are from people who are not so much of the regular people bringing prophetic contributions. And I think that's really significant. The first one was from Richard Bagnall about four weeks ago, maybe. And, and this, this is almost a self-fulfilling one. This is really, it's really beautiful. But uh, he was saying that, that um, uh, a few, some time ago, I'm not quite sure when, that somebody had prophesied over him that he would start to see pictures from God. And he said, well, that's really, that's not me, that's not really my gifting. But then he was moving a, a whole load of topsoil from, I think it was from his mother's house to his house, or perhaps the other way around. And, and as, after he moved this soil, there were all sorts of seeds that had been dormant in, that, in the soil suddenly sprung up. And he said that this was, he felt this was a picture of that there are gifts of the Holy Spirit that are dormant in us across the congregation and, and that we need to, well, something needs to happen. In his case, it was moving the soil from one place to another. I don't know whether that's, maybe you could think of moving from the Durham Centre through to the Emmanuel Centre or other shifts that happen in our lives that suddenly cause the things that God has placed within us to come and spring forth. And this was exactly what had happened to him, that he had had this seed dormant in him. Suddenly he saw this picture. I think that's a beautiful example I, I would really love to see those seeds that are scattered across everybody here and all of those who are away for the bank holiday. Really love to see them spring up uh, and to, to, to bring fruit. The second one was from uh, Kath Bussey, who saw, said she saw a picture of Jesus standing at the top of the stairs. And she rightly said that this was a picture for that he was waiting for people who didn't know him to, to come. I think there's also an interpretation, just what it reminded me of, is there are times when we're at home and I'm busy with something, maybe I'm reading something or whatever I'm doing, and, and Chris is upstairs and she said, oh, come and have a look at this. And I'm like, oh, I'm busy, I'm busy. I can't, I can't, uh, I'm, but actually I need to put down what I'm, and go and see. So because if it's, oh, look, at, there's a beautiful sunset. Well, that's not going to be there for, for more than a few seconds. I need to go. And I felt that this was a call of us um, often being, being busy. And Jesus is just waiting at the top of the stairs, waiting for us to put down all the things that we're, we're busy with and to come and encounter him. That's really stuck with me ever since. So maybe, Ali, could you come back, please, wherever you are? There, good. Um, I want to come back to my key verse. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? And what I would like it to do is to have opportunity for, for ministry... First of all, if you don't know what God is doing in your life, you're not, you haven't got encounter with Him. Now, you may be a Christian, you may not be a Christian, that doesn't really matter. 
what I'd like you to do is to come because we want to have you see an encounter with Jesus this morning. I'd also like if, if you feel that you have, um, a gift or gifting that there's like this buried seeds that is coming. We want to, we want to see, see that used. If you've got a testimony or a story, uh, Ian's got the microphone down there. Just come and he will, he will, uh, give you opportunity to share the story of what's going on because that story is going to build faith. And if you have a need this morning, the Holy Spirit is here and he wants to come and address that need. In the prayer meeting beforehand, there was one person said that they felt there was a, going to be a presence of God for healing this morning. We haven't had a testimony of healing to get on the back of, but if you need healing, then come and we will pray with you. Have you got prophetic words over your life? If so, let's just revisit those, see what God is doing among you. Can you perceive what God is doing here among us? Let us know. Come and talk to one of the the elders because we want to move forward into everything that God is doing. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray for us and then I'd like the members of the ministry team, there's badges down here, if you could come and get that. And we will pray for, there'll be a bit of a mingle so that gives you a bit of anonymity if you're feeling slightly vulnerable um, because I don't want to single out people um, in any of those categories. But we will we will then see what God is going to do because I believe that as we... Um, as we forget all of the things that distract us and we come and seek encounter with him, he is going to send water in the desert. He's going to bring life where we were feeling that there wasn't life and he wants to encounter everyone. So Holy Spirit, we ask that you come now with your presence Lord, I want to pray for my brothers and sisters, Lord, that we would all of us be having an encounter with you. Lord, I pray for, for where there are blockages or barriers that would, that, that seem to, to prevent us from, from moving close to you. Also want to pray for all of those, those gifts that you have poured out among us but which are sort of sitting dormant in the soil. Lord, I pray that as you pour water, these will spring up and you will help us to perceive what it is you're doing among us. Amen.